maybe we should like take recycled plastics and just make a reusable tree. <gasps> but then what do we do with the turkey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> back to the Bug and Rug podcast. As always, my name's Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And today we're bringing you another story that may or may not keep you up at night. Hopefully by the end of it, we will all still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug. But only time will tell. Absolutely. I thought you were going <laughs> to break out into song already. I, I thought like, about it. <laughs> it's a little early. Okay. Um, I just want to let you know that, like, the anticipation is killing me because you have told me four times, hey, I finished my story, but I don't like it, so I'm changing it. Yeah. I've restarted. I've written two complete stories, yeah. a half of a story, mm-hmm. and then revisited an old story that was basically done but needed spru- spruced up. Yeah. Because it's Christmas time. Yeah. Is a spruce tree a pine tree? <laughs> yep. <laughs> spruce pine, I think. Oh, no, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Speaking of Christmas trees. Wait. <laughs> can you name one famous Christmas tree? One faint name? Like, it has a name? When you think of a famous tree, <laughs> where do you... Well, two come to mind. Okay. Well, three now. Three. Okay. Um... Well, my mind first... Okay, if we're thinking of Christmas trees... This is going well. <laughs> the first one, the first famous one I think of is obviously the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Okay. I also kind of thought of the Grinch, but I don't think about the tree. I think about that scene where he's like, I'm going to take this <laughs> tree home with me because his mom does not light. And she, Cindy Lou was like, yeah, sure, Santa wears green furry gloves. Totally. She didn't believe in him in the first place. She was a little in shock. <laughs> and then, but if we're not talking about Christmas trees, I think of Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. I specifically Lord of the Rings. Uh huh. Also, though, the Giving Tree. Back up. Okay. First yeah. of all, I thought, and we can replay the tape because we will when I edit it. But I thought I said. Famous Christmas trees. Yeah, but then I thought you changed it to just trees. Okay. So, despite either of those. The Ents, you think Trent the Trent. <laughs> can you think of any famous real-life Christmas trees? Oh, famous real-life Christmas trees. Um, I'm sure there's one in, like, New York, right? There we go! <laughs> <laughs> it took us a while! <laughs> I'm sure there's... <laughs> it was so painful! It was so painful, but we got there. I I was fine. I don't know. I was I'm sorry for causing you so much. I'm sorry. I guess I should have come up with a better... Listen, the whole spruce it up thing was not going to be my segue. So we really had to work to get there because I didn't have a plan. Okay. To be fair. But yes, 
the New York City Christmas tree yeah. is... I can't picture it. I'm just... They have one. Do you know? <laughs> would you say it's short or tall? I'm assuming it's like one of the <laughs> tallest in the world. It's pretty freaking tall. Specifically this year, it is 79 feet high. Oh. And 46 feet wide. And Why weighs... not? Why can't we do whole numbers? Why can't it be 80 feet? Well, they had to cut off a little bit for the base. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. To fit in the giant tree stand. Yeah. Is it a real... Is there a tree Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it a real tree? Oh, I thought so. Is it not? Is it a real... Where are they getting it from? A 79-foot real Christmas tree? I'm going to be honest with you. This is not the main part of my story at all, but we can continue to talk about it. The next question is, is there a tree stand that they've made specifically for it, or is there a very large hole in the ground that they just oh. open up and stick it down in That's when fair. the time is appropriate? It was, um, the hole is actually where the Spartans used to kick people they didn't like. Mm-hmm. But in, also in New York City, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they traveled a long way for their revenge. Yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, ciao. Anyway, forty-six feet wide. Does that is that just the trunk, or does that include the branches? Scientists and experts have yet to agree. Now it's a real tree. I think it. Is. Well, now okay. Hold everything. This has nothing. Where to are do. they getting it from? <laughs> the Amazon. <laughs> is the new york city christmas tree real the tree usually a norway spruce that is 69 to 100 feet tall has been a national tradition since 1933 that's not yeah but like where do they get it from uh they scout for the desired tree in upstate new york surrounding states and all the way up to ottawa ontario canada don't tell me they get a pass to chop down stuff from national forests I don't know, but it's chosen based on That's having the wild. particular Christmas tree shape. It's like the turkey that gets parted <laughs> on the <laughs> Except it dies for the good of the country. Oh my god, it's a, it's it's a, a Christmas turkey! Wait, what? It's a reverse. In order to balance the pardoning of one turkey, we must kill a tree. Sacrifice a kill tree. Kill an old tree. A thousands and thousands of year old spruce. Hey, maybe we should like take recycled plastics and just make a reusable tree. <gasps> but then what do we do with the turkey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> The moral of the story is, the tree goes up in New York City in Rockefeller Center. Yeah. Do you know anything else about the Rockefellers? They're rich. Yeah. Or were. Are they still around? They're still pretty rich. Uh, They created the company Standard Oil, which is one of the biggest oil-producing companies in the world. You know what? That makes sense. John D. Rockefeller lived from 1839 to 1937 and is widely considered one of the wealthiest American men to ever live. His peak net worth was $418 billion. Nobody needs... Hey, nobody needs that much money. Well, if you're going to build a hole... And a tree stand. If you're going to move the pit that the Spartans used to, to New, York, New York in order to hold your tree. I guess you do need that much money. That you sacrifice every year, then yes. 
Oh he God. could have spent that money to make a fake tree that was that tall. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That we could be reusing. That we could fold up neatly and put down into the hole and then raise up like <gasps> the New Year's ball every Holy year. Holy shit, you're absolutely right. But if you drilled down it's that collapsible. If you drilled down that far into the earth, you'd hit the core. The mole and, people though. The mole people would be upset and you'd hit the core of the earth and we'd all explode. Yeah. It's only seventy nine feet down, people just don't know. <laughs> You just nobody's that's not true. nobody's got to New York and drill down that far. <laughs> Even for standard oil. I'm not so sure this is scientifically accurate. <laughs> now John's son was Nelson Rockefeller, the governor of New York at one time, and eventually the vice president of the United States under Gerald Ford. Really? Yes. Michael Rockefeller was the grandson to John and the son of Nelson and the heir to the fortune who happened to disappear without a trace in 1961. This is like that Australian man. (laughs) Harold. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Harold did disappear. Yeah. He was a politician. Yeah. He defo, though, like... Driving the ocean. (laughs) Did... Was a Chinese spy and I don't left know. on his own accord. It was John, then Nelson, then... Michael. Michael. So mm-hmm. Michael, did he also drown in the Australian Sea? Maybe not Australia, but possibly very close to he it. He was on the Titanic. I... No. <laughs> no. Can you guess which of the Rockefellers we're going to be discussing today? Besides the tree. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tree. Is it canonically named... Rockefeller? The Rockefeller... Well, I guess it's, it's at, at the, the Rockefeller, Rockefeller Center. Yeah. That's lame. Every year they name it something something Rockefeller. <laughs> like, the heir to our throne since I'm some... Nope, that was me. Gonna go... I don't know. <laughs> Wild? No, on a limb. Go ahead. <laughs> on a limb. I got... Listen, I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna say I'm gonna go out on a wild goose chase because I got my idioms confused. Um, I guess we're gonna be disgusting... <laughs> we discussing. I think we're going to be discussing Michael Rockefeller, How'd you son know? of Nelson, grandson of John D. Mm-hmm. Who, Michael, who disappeared mm-hmm. when uh, he was 23 years old. All right, so Michael Rockefeller, um, heir to the Rockefeller fortune. The next Rockefeller. <laughs> Disappeared in 1961. At the ripe old age of 23. 23. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was he on the expedition to get the tree? He was on an expedition. So before taking over the family business of Oil. business and politics, mm-hmm. Michael set out on his own adventure. He said, quote, It is the desire to do something adventurous at a time when frontiers in the real sense of the world are disappearing. Although I feel like it was 1961 and he had a lot to learn about how there's probably aliens that we haven't met yet in space. But he's anyway. taking a gap year. He's taking a gap year. He served six months as a private in the U.S. Army in 1960 before going to Harvard University's Peabody Museum of Archaeology and Ethnology's expedition that studied the Dani tribe, D-A-N-I, of Western Netherlands in New Guinea. The expedition filmed... Quote, Dead Birds, a documentary produced by Robert Gardner and for which Rockefeller was the main sound recorder. So he went on the Peabody expedition and he was like the person who recorded the sound for the documentary that they were making. In New Guinea. In New Guinea. About this tribe. About the Danny tribe. The Danny tribe. Okay. Now, 
Michael and one of his friends on the expedition left the filming briefly to go study a different tribe called the Asmat tribe, A-S-M-A-T, in southwestern New Guinea. So they moved a little bit south. He befriended the native Asmat tribes and photographed their peoples and landscapes. He planned to publish these photos into a book celebrating this southwestern New Guinea society. Their entire population was around 70,000 oh, wow. people. Okay. And uh, they culminated their villages along the rivers near the seaside. Makes sense. So there was rivers that led to the sea. Yeah. And all their villages were along the southwestern border of New Guinea. Okay. I know nothing about New Guinea. First of all. It's not old Guinea. <laughs> Second of all, I and you may say I'm interested in how much he actually knew about these tribes before mm. he went there. Not much. I think he they really went to like explore them and kind of capture what their culture was like. I'm not a person that would do something like that because I'm not very confident in myself to not make an ass out of myself. Mm. And just insult somebody without realizing yeah. it. I feel that part of the reason he was confident enough to do this is because he was a Rockefeller. Yeah. And they were just kind of like... It's fine. We're on top of the world. Yeah. And I guess the film crew, if they're going for a specific tribe, and they're like, oh, it's fine. Like, we'll just go check out another one. Like, yeah. No worries. Bye. Yeah, there were other peoples in the area. Yeah. They just were like, oh, well, let's see how they're different. Right. Michael would write home about his time engaging with this intriguing culture by saying, quote, I am having a thoroughly exhausting but most exciting time here. The Azmat is like a huge puzzle with the variations in ceremony and art style forming the pieces. My trips are enabling me to comprehend, if only in a superficial, rudimentary manner, the nature of this puzzle. So he had okay. like a respect for how yeah. he didn't understand them, but how he wanted to kind of yeah. interact and kind of understand it as time went on, sure. the way that their culture worked. What language did they speak? Is that, like, a terrible question for me to ask? It's, it was some type of language that was their own. Yeah. I He did not speak it, to my knowledge. Yeah. They had translators and local oh, guides okay. that sure, would sure, sure. go with them that were kind of the go-betweens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, now, this people, the Azmat people, probably some other tribes as well, but the Azmat specifically were shockingly known for having headhunting and cannibalism as integral parts of their culture up and through the early 1900s. Okay. Headhunting in modern terms refers to recruitment of new employees and sometimes stealing them from other companies. However, to the Azmat people, this meant quite literally hunting down individuals for their heads, which were then preserved as trophies. Okay. They believed that every death must be avenged by headhunting and through headhunting. Even those that resulted from natural causes or disease. There oh. was a price to pay and somebody would die. Interesting. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like a... Keeping the balance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like one of ours died, so we must go take from yeah. somewhere else kind it was, of thing. It's literally a head for a head mentality. Yeah, yeah. Now, after the first excursion with the Peabody Expedition, Michael returned to New Guinea again in 1961. He traveled between villages with Rene Wassing, W-A-S-S-I-N-G, who was an anthropologist, and they traveled in a self-built catamaran, which if you don't know what a catamaran is, it's basically a boat that has a bottom that is two parallel pieces of boat. Okay. <laughs> so it could be a sailboat, and it's just like two parallel oh, I got you with like a flat 
to on top with of that. With a flat top, yeah. or it could be like a yacht, but the base of it is like two, two pieces, pieces that touch the water. And okay. And then there's It's like two pieces and then a flat piece over top of those two pieces that does not necessarily touch the water. Correct. Correct. And it, the nickname for this is a cat, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and they were just on the river, like going down up and down the river. Exactly. So yeah. they would travel between villages collecting art on their self-made boat. Okay. It's just them two? It, it was them and at least two local guides. Okay. They I used... just can't. This stresses me out so much because I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't do it. Well, I go to work and I'm terrified of what I'm saying to people who I know. Who I know. This is why I don't go anywhere. Let alone somewhere where I don't speak the language and I don't know the culture. Not that that's like a bad thing, that it's different. It just makes me nervous that I'm going to do something terribly, terribly offensive. offensive. Yeah. And it's it's two local guides who you don't really have. You're paying them. That's yeah. the only thing, only bond between you. Oh, yeah. Most cases. I'm terrified to travel without somebody like... I know. And now throw in a boat yeah. on the open water. I was no, ter- thank you. I was terrified to fly to California by myself without our dad, like, <laughs> or our mom. Like, I I can't do that. I can't go across the country to do something like that. I, I'm proud of the people that can. I, yeah, I good wish, for him. Yeah, I wish I could be like that, but I just can't. He had some gumption. Yeah. Some Rockefeller spunk. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Anyway, the Rockefeller heir and Renee Wassing and their local guides used the cat to sail between villages, as we said. On November 17th of 1961, there were some high waves and rough waters that actually caused the boat to capsize. Ooh! Michael's two local guides swam from the boat towards the shore to try and get help. Okay. After two days of waiting to be rescued on November the 19th, the boat had floated 19 kilometers or 12 miles out towards the open sea. Were they on it? Yeah. They were, like, holding on to it. They didn't swim? Michael and Renee, no. Okay. But after two days and floating out 12 miles away from shore, Michael decided that that he needed to put in a last-ditch effort and try to swim towards the beach to get help. Because they thought no one was coming for them. Yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> not being rude, but like, why would you not swim? You waited a bit. Why wouldn't you follow the guides? I think he was probably trying to stay with Renee. Bitch, swim too. Maybe he couldn't swim. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so two days, this is two days Unless after Unless there's like electric guide. eels in the water, then I get it. Saltwater crocodiles and sharks, but we're getting there. Oh, wait, uh, <laughs> I was referencing the Princess Bride, I guess, but... Do you hear that, Princess? <laughs> the eels always get louder before they're about to feed. <laughs> Should we stop for today? No, no, I'm okay. <laughs> so Michael decides he's going to swim back okay. to shore. Sure. Put in some kind of effort. It's, they've been two days on this boat. He doesn't know how much longer they're going to survive. He's going to try and make it. They lost the paddles? Is that like... I think it was a sailboat. Sail okay. I, I mean, there's sails underwater, I would say. Okay. Because it flipped. Oh, and it stayed flipped. Yeah. I don't think they okay. could flip it back over. I think it was bigger than a... It was bigger than a bread box. It was <laughs> smaller than a big boat. It was bigger yeah. than a small boat. The, but it was a small boat or the size of a large boat. Or we all, we all get it. Absolutely. <laughs> a small boat the size of a large boat. I know. 
<laughs> so Michael starts swimming. Yeah. The next day, Renee is rescued. No! <laughs> Son of a bitch! So three days after the boat capsized, Renee is rescued. Damn it, Whitney! However, they could not locate Michael. Using their extensive resources, the Rockefeller family organized a massive search. His disappearance gained media coverage throughout the world. Sadly, his body was never recovered. That's because he was eaten. The most widely accepted explanation is that Michael... Was eaten. No, back up. Got drowned. Yes. Oh. <laughs> is that Michael drowned because he was swimming 12 miles. Oh. I don't think he realized how far away that they were. I don't think that he could have any... Yeah, hold on. At that point, just stay on the boat. I... If you're going to swim, you swim as soon as it capsizes. If you get lost in the forest, you sit down. Yeah, you stay where you, you are. If you get lost in the ocean, you sit down. Yeah. But on the... You hold on. <laughs> yeah. 12 miles? He was trying to swim at 12... I guess well, you he did didn't say know. that. He didn't know it was 12 miles. It's got to... Okay, you're out on a boat and you're 12 miles away from the shore. That's not going to look close. You're not going to be able to see it. Yeah, so why is he like, I'll just swim it... He's a Rockefeller. That doesn't make any sense. I'm really bashing this guy, and I'm not meaning to, but I wish I were there, you well, know? Well, I think he was desperate. I mean, they did. it's been two days. People Renee's been, probably like, Michael, do something. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that. I don't know. Two days? Like, people have been lost at sea longer. Absolutely. That one guy was underwater for 72 hours. Yeah. He got saved. Yeah. He, he done already didn't had his. Yeah. Okay, so the widely accepted cause of death was drowning. Mm-hmm. Exhaustion and Exhaustion, then drowning. Exhaustion, the elements, drowning. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, some other people speculated that he was attacked by saltwater crocodiles yeah. or northern river sharks that live in the area and are native to the southwestern New Guinea waters, which means they live in the area. I think saltwater crocodiles are like one of the most uh, aggressive, depending on where they're from. They're also average in size of 17 feet. Yeah, they're huge. So 5 meters or 17 feet and 435 kilograms or 1,000 pounds. Yeah. That's their average. Yeah. Pardon? Listen, we have animals at the zoo that are, like, huge to me. And then people ask, like, how big do they get? I'm like, picture that, but, like... Three of that. Three of that or, like, add 10 feet and, like, you're there. How big is Luna? She's probably only six or seven feet. But she's also an alligator. Yeah. Which I think are a little bit smaller. Yeah. I would say. But, like, still, like, she's terrifying, but, like, there's stuff out there that's huge. Anacondas. Mm-hmm. Monty. She's 15 feet long. Like, that's terrifying. She could crush you. Yeah, absolutely. She's a python, not an anaconda. Yeah, she's Burmese is. python. Sorry, I said anaconda. <laughs> and then I was like, what about Monty? Monty python, yes. It's very funny. <laughs> I know I laugh every time. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Some of the animals out there, like, it's... They're scary. This is why I don't go in the ocean. Period. Yeah. This is why I don't go on boats. This is why we don't go on boats. One of the reasons why we don't go on boats. This is one of several reasons why we've decided not to go on boats. Period. Period. <laughs> Another reason is that the Northern River shark can be up to 8 feet long or 2.5 meters. And they look small, but apparently they will easily kill you. Not apparently, yeah. they will. Anything with a mouth can bite. Anything in the water with a mouth is not afraid to wreck your shit. Anything that is in the water and can, like, breathe and move under the water better than you, which is going to be most sharks, alligators, jellyfish, 
Like, they're going to win, period. Like, there's no... Jellyfish isn't even trying to He's not even on the shore or, like, could stand. He's just floating in the ocean. I mean, we don't know how deep the ocean is where he was swimming, but I highly doubt he could touch the 12 miles out to sea and he's touching the bottom? I said I don't know. There could have been a sandbank. I Listen, I don't know. Fair. There's a less circulated theory that remains. Yeah. Besides the drowning and saltwater crocodiles slash sharks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a piece of background information. Yeah. That I think will lead you to guess this final theory. Mm-hmm. And it is this. In 1958, three years prior to this incident, Governor of West Guinea, Max Lapre, L-A-P-R-E, killed five members of the Asmat tribe, specifically leaders of the O-T-S-J-A-N-E-P village, hoping that this would send a message to stop the practice of headhunting. Now, following this attack... Hold on! (laughs) I have several questions. What the f***? I showed them. I showed them. I killed their leaders. Stop killing people. That makes zero sense. You will stop your practice of a head for a head by me taking heads. Yeah. What? Most important heads. So in my mind, they're probably like, well, now it's a two for one deal. Yeah. They vowed to get revenge against, quote, the white tribe. Ooh. So anybody who was Caucasian was then a target to this village. Yeah. Flash forward to November 19th of 1961. Let's say Michael makes it the 12 miles to shore. Which, now that you've told me this, I don't think he did. But let's say, (laughs) let's pretend. Let's say that he does. Yeah. The shore that he would have come up to would be the shore of the Otsjanop village. Ooh, the same one. The same one. The same one that that dude, the governor? Uh, yeah. Of New Guinea. Of West New Guinea. Of West, area, of West yeah. New Guinea. Yeah. He was the Dutch governor because the Dutch were occupying that area at the time. That's neither here nor there. Right. But anyway, the same village that he was like, stop headhunting. By I kill your leaders. I'm going to kill these people. Uh-huh. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Michael reaches the shore. He swam 12 miles. He's exhausted. He looks up from the sand and sees tribal members rushing towards him. He thinks he's been safe. <laughs> Thank you so much for your help. Oh, shit, what? <laughs> and then he sees his, their spears raised towards yeah, him. Yeah, for sure. He's made it ashore right to the edge of this village, which he may or may not have heard the story. Yeah. About I mean, they're the in leaders. the area, right? Yeah. Like, they were close. Yeah. And then you can't tell me that they're local guides wouldn't have said hey stay away from hey, this watch area. out for yeah, yeah. this area yeah no totally makes sense i mean even if you're going there from a historical standpoint you should probably know the history of new guinea and that seems pretty it was fairly significant to this tribe yeah five of its leaders five, and it was and it just happened three years three years ago prior, that yeah. is too soon to forget yeah they may very well have killed Michael in an act of headhunting yeah. as revenge. If this is true, they would have cut off his head, cooked it, eaten his brain, removed his intestines, thrown his legs and arms onto the fire, and then shared their glorious feast with everyone who was present. Sure. They would have used his bones to make daggers, spears, and religious icons. They would have gotten their revenge for their fallen brethren. And Michael's body... Well, there'd be nothing left of it for his family to find. Right. Unless. Unless. 
Unless you remember that the Azmat do what with the heads of their victims. Did you or... tell me this? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't remember. They keep them as trophies. Oh, you're right. <gasps> There's a book titled Rocky Goes West by author Paul Tuhui, T-O-O-H-E-Y, that claims that Michael's mother hired a private investigator to solve the mystery of his disappearance. To what? Go to that tribe? What's up, guys? I'm here to ask some questions. <laughs> Four more! <laughs> like, What? Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. (laughs) What? This author claims that the investigator swapped his boat engine for the skulls of three white men after the tribe claimed that these are the only three white men that we have ever killed in our village. No. (laughs) The private investigator then returned the skulls to the Rockefeller family. If this is true, the business tycoons have never commented on it, never said, hey, we figured out that our son was killed by these cannibals. However, it was reported on Vanishings, a program on the History Channel, that Michael's mother did pay $250,000 to a private investigator for final proof whether he was alive or dead. So she did hire a PI. But we don't know what happened from there. But we don't know what happened from there. Can I ask, like, a maybe... I mean, I've said a lot of awkward things throughout this entire episode, I feel like. Can I ask one more question? Was the private investigator white? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because, like, that doesn't make sense to me. If he was like, yeah, I went there and they traded me, even though they've only killed three white people. Yeah. I don't I don't know. And they're supposed to kill, it's a head for a head kind of thing. When they just kill him? You know what I mean? Like, no, I agree. Unless it was somebody local, I think it would be awfully hard <clears throat> for him to get any information. Yeah. Also, if you're giving away your boat engine... Also, How are I you guess getting I'm, back get a boat engine. I guess unless he like went part of the way and had a guide go. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. trade stuff. But then who's to say if those skulls? Like who's to say they could have just been like, well, there's three skulls. You know what I mean? We found three skulls in the dirt. Yeah, and by this saltwater crocodile for whatever reason they didn't like. <laughs> they just wanted the neck down, <laughs> and, and now here. Yeah. What that? No, I I don't know. I don't know. That's what the author claims. Who's the, how, who, who is this author? Like, how is he connected to this private investigator? Is the author himself a private investigator Maybe. that hired himself to investigate the other private investigator? And he wrote a pen name of himself <laughs> because he's the PI, but he couldn't let people know he was the PI. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's another documentary called Keep the River on Your Right by Tobias... Schneebaum, S-C-H-N-E-E-B-A-U-M, where he states that he spoke with members of the village who described finding Rockefeller on the riverside and eating him. Furthermore, a 2014 book by Carl Hoffman called Savage Heist, A Tale of Cannibals, Colonialism, and Michael Rockefeller's Tragic Quest for Primitive Art. Too long of a title. Discusses several testimonials collected in the 1960s and stories heard by Hoffman himself. Stories about several men arguing about what to do with the white man's body they found washed ashore before murdering him and consuming his remains. Shortly after, the villagers were plagued by an epidemic of cholera, which you may or may not know is an illness where you basically puke and shit your guts out until you're so dehydrated you die. And they thought that this disease coming through was revenge on their village for trying to get revenge. 
And so they didn't want to speak about it anymore. <laughs> Where is this information coming from? Where are these documentary people? Documentary people. Where are they? Are they walking up on that shore after hearing all these stories and being like, sup, we got to ask you a few questions about the other white people that you've killed. Yeah, kind of. Like, what? Like, who? Where is this coming from? What gives you the balls <laughs> to be like, I know you killed that guy because he's white. <laughs> You won't kill me. You won't kill me. Because I'm... Because I'm here to film a show. Like, who... Where are they getting this from? I'm here to film a show so you won't kill me. That guy was swimming for his life. But and also, him. here's the thing, too, though. What if he drowned and then washed up on shore? And then they ate him? That, I think, is... Not being wasteful. Fair game. <laughs> wasteful. I mean, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I'm frustrated that all these people are like, yeah, we took... Like, I was totally like he was eaten. For sure. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. Then when you were like, oh, he's drowned, I was like, yeah, makes total sense. Swimming 12 miles, like, that's impossible. In the ocean with the waves and stuff, like the currents, no way that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Saltwater sharks, saltwater crocodiles, yeah, no, he's he's drowning. And then when these people are like, oh, no, we talked to the tribe and they said that they killed him. When? Where? Who? The tribe. What language? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you interpreting this? Well... So Hoffman, the same guy who said, well, I heard this story. They told me this story about how people argued and then killed him and then ate him. He said as he was leaving, he turned his video camera to the shore because a man was acting out some type of scene. And the scene was then translated when they got back by someone who apparently knew what he was saying. No. And this is the translation. Quote, don't you tell this story to any other man or any other village because this story is only for us. Don't speak. Don't speak and tell the story. I hope you remember it and you must keep this for us. I hope, I hope. This is for you and only you. Don't talk to anyone forever. To other people or another village, if people question you, you do not answer. Don't talk to them because the story is only for you. If you tell it to them, you'll die. I'm afraid you will die. You'll be dead. Your people will be dead. If you tell this story, <laughs> keep this story in your house to yourself. I hope forever and ever. Now, this <laughs> proves nothing. No. You videotaped this man saying, don't talk about us. Right. And then turned around and, like, ta- told everybody, told the world. Well, you know you what? You specifically did what he told you not to do. Yeah. Although it wasn't directed at him. And you be cursed for always and, and eternity. <laughs> this guy was, like, acting this out for somebody else yeah. in his tribe. And they caught it on camera. He wasn't facing the shore going, hey, don't tell my shit. That's just rude. If you're a documentarist, you <laughs> have to tell me or else it's entrapment. <laughs> you further and further away from producer of a documentary. <laughs> Not documentarist. Doc- Documentquestrian. I just want to say that I think that's rude. It is rude. Like, the whole thing is rude. Like, I get wanting to have your... I understand wanting to have answers. Like, I get that. Like, Michael's mom. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. I get it. These people, I don't think, were there for answers. I think they were kind no. of there for the spectacle of it. Yeah, they're there to make media about yeah. Michael Rockefeller. And, like, I don't know a lot about these tribes, but, like, no offense, but it doesn't work like it does here. Like, it's, honest to goodness, sorry, but it's none of your business. Like, Michael went to that area. Knowing full well 
that the, it could be dangerous. Yeah. Whether that be the alligators, whether that be the people, whether that be the weather, I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, for you to just go in and be like, well, we're going to make a movie out of this because, like, it's just rude. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with you going and then, like, talking and then saying that because that's all alleged. But for you to just, like, secretly film them? Like, you could go to jail for that. Again, look what Here. happened to the last white guy that washed up on this. Well, and that's what I'm saying. When did they go that they were like, oh, it's fine. Nobody they will kill us. They clearly don't want you here. <laughs> they don't want you here. They don't want you here. Yeah. They don't want you here. If you say it, it better be in your house to yourself or else you'll be dead. You'll all be dead. I hope that you won't say it because you'll be dead. I don't know. It's just rude. So there's a lot of media that circulated since these things that I've mentioned, uh, like these documentaries yeah. and books and things. There's other media that is circulated that always leans towards Michael being killed by the Osmot tribesmen. I think a lot of it is for theatrics. Yeah. I think a lot of it is because it's very reasonable that they would do that. Yeah. Had he made it the 12 miles. Yeah, no, like that's totally fine. But that's what I'm saying. Like that's their biz- That's their business. And that's, you're making them sound like criminals. Like that's. He was trespassing. Yeah, like that. That's. If you want to get down to the nitty gritty, he was trespassing. Hey, we hate white people and we will kill anyone that we see that is white. On our property. because On our lo- property. On site. You know what's a great place to vacation? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I know he didn't mean to, but, but, no, I mean, but also, like, are we skipping over, like, everybody in these documentaries are skipping over the part where he had to swim 12 miles? I honestly found that in one resource, and I was like, if you could, we just excluding it because you want the narrative to be that these people killed an agent. That's what I'm saying. Like, we can't just skip over that stuff. Can... If you can swim 12 miles, Michael Phelps, I'm looking at, no, he's a sprinter, not a marathon swimmer. If you can swim 12 miles, DM me and I will send you a sticker. But you have to prove it. How far is the Chesapeake Bay? Doesn't that guy swim across? How the f*** would I know that when (laughs) (laughs) You genuinely looked at me like I would know the answer to that. (laughs) And it's only 12 miles. That seems a bit small. (laughs) I disagree. <laughs> Can I ask a question? <laughs> Hang on. Where is the Chesapeake Bay? Robert Cass attempted to swim across it to raise money for children living with disability through the organization Ainsley's Angels, and he trained for 14 months for a 14-mile swim. So he did it. But he trained. Yeah. And the title of the article is that he attempts to swim. So I don't know if he made it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, was he a swimmer? Like, like, that doesn't... I have no information in my resources saying that you'd have to train for 14 months to swim 14 miles if you're not a professional (laughs) swimmer. Maybe swim 14 miles. Maybe swim 14 miles. Yeah. But did that guy have to go up against saltwater crocodiles? In the Chesapeake Bay? Where's the Chesapeake Bay? I thought you were looking. <laughs> no. I thought you were looking. <laughs> Cooperstown, New York to Norfolk, Virginia. 
That seems not correct. Wait, and you said it's 14 miles? Across at the narrow spot. At the, and large is like 30 miles. No, large is like 200 miles. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> at the medium spot. It goes <laughs> from new, this is a lie. <laughs> we, hey, we need to stop while we're at, because we sound <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Dad, <laughs> if you want, maybe Virginia. Okay, well, you're on the podcast because we have a question for you. Now, first of all, don't be mad. Don't be mad at us, okay? Please. We did try to Google it. <laughs> Are you spelling another country's name? Believe it or not, it's worse. I think it's worse. Oh, no, it's about the Bible. <laughs> no, 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 no. We already know about Jesus. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I've heard of him. <laughs> I've heard of him. I've heard of him. <laughs> it's about geography. Geography, okay. Whitney? Okay. Oh, no. Segue into it. Whitney looked at me genuinely and asked me, hey, how, lo- how wide is the Chesapeake Bay? And I looked her dead in the eye and said, how would I know how wide it is when I don't know where the the Chesapeake Bay is? <laughs> and okay. I, I said New York. I don't know about New York. I don't, I would. That's what you said I, first, I, though. I, I That's what I said. <laughs> okay, Whitney doesn't know what she's there's, talking about. There's a river that connects to the Chesapeake Bay that is in yeah. New York. Oh, okay. That's what I saw originally. Okay. Yeah. It was wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well that that was all i mean that was this part of the podcast really isn't necessary at all about the chesapeake bay because we were trying to figure out we were trying to figure out how far 12 miles would be to swim if it would be a oh, lot if it would be a long bit. if it would be a long way or not but then whitney asked me yeah there was a guy that swam the chesapeake bay and i was like oh, what he did and he did for charity. For charity, but he he trained okay. for fourteen months. So the theory is that this person could not swim the twelve miles. That's what I'm saying. It would it mean is the tide with you? Is I don't. We don't know. Him? We don't know. Hasn't been yeah, for three days. But yeah. also, there's no saltwater crocodiles in the Chesapeake Bay. Allegedly, there's no saltwater crocodiles. There's at there's at least one. <laughs> You can't tell me. Someone flushed it down the toilet when it was young. Someone flushed it down the toilet, and because there was no greater predator, it's been chomping and growing for 20 to 30 years. Yeah. You're right. That's fair. They live to be like 70 years old. It's like 20 feet long. Yeah. Longer than that. Gotcha. They average 17 feet bigger. It's got to be bigger. (laughs) There's always something bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... Thank okay. you for your lesson. All right. Well, did I was I right? I guess I, I know I'm right. But oh, I just I, trust your judgment I at all moments in time. I couldn't figure it out from Google, so I called you. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You call me anytime about geography. <laughs> we, if I don't know the answer, I will make it up. Just Winnie. Just <laughs> Winnie. Just Whitney looking at me and going, yeah, how, how wide is the Chesapeake Bay? I was like, Whitney, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> 
don't even know where the state Chesapeake is. I don't even know. Chesapeake. Chesapeake? <laughs> where is that? All right. Like you said in Canada? Right, right. I had no idea. Well, thank you for your help. Okay. All right. Have a good night. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. Glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. So anyway, I think he drowned. You think he drowned? I think he drowned. I think it makes it a more interesting story if he was eaten. But by people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it fits this podcast a little bit more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's more, it's unnerving. I don't want to be eaten by people. Oh, they certainly would have if they could have. Yeah, but I think, oh, absolutely. They were very proud. I'm not, I'm not denying that whatsoever. They were very proud of other people they killed and ate. Yeah, oh, I'm not denying that whatsoever. Good for them, whatever. Um, This was the story I was thinking about. There's a famous photo with it. Oh, yes, absolutely. The, there is a photo of Michael with the Azmat tribe. That's one of the last photos that was taken of him. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. And the tribe is standing behind him just grinning well, from ear to ear. Well, depending on what tribe it was, they're probably having a great time. They're probably like, I can't, what is this? Yeah. Magical contraption. Yeah. He was trespassing. I'll stand But, like, I don't think, I don't, I don't think he made it. Yeah. I think it's heroic to think that he would have. Yeah, but also, but also stupid. Like, we're 12 miles out to sea now. I'm going to swim for it. Like, no, no. Like, you've had two, it's days been two days of possibly no food or fresh water. Yeah. Now? Yeah. It was either that or drink. In the sun? Pee. You're going to filter it out of the water? <laughs> I'm picturing them down in the water for two days. Now, could they have gotten oh, up I thought on they the were, like, the sitting on top of the two things. I have things. no idea. Okay. I don't have that information. You could filter the pee out of the ocean. If you can do that, you can filter some fresh water out of the salt water. I'm just saying. Anyway, we've gone off the rails. Uh, the only other thing that I want to add about this story and Michael Rockefeller is that much of the art that he collected used to be found at the Peabody Museum, mm. where he he studied at Harvard for a time, and yeah. then he went on that expedition yeah. with the Peabody Museum. For, for uh, sure. But after a while, Nelson Rockefeller donated much of it, his collection to the Metropolitan Museum in New York City as part of the Michael C. Rockefeller Wing. So there's a whole oh. wing named after him. Okay. Now it itself encompasses a great many works from a great collected by a great many people. Sure. However, his is just there. Yes. Yeah. However, the donation of Nelson Rockefeller did include three thousand objects that were mostly from Michael's travels. Interesting. So he was he was ultimately taking pictures but collecting art to send to his dad to yeah. display. Yeah. And so this is a combination of many of his pieces of work and photographs and yeah. things that he traded for and, and gained. So I'll post some pictures of that as well as Michael and Michael with the tribesmen that may or may not have killed him. Yeah. But ultimately you think he drowned. Yeah. I think people blew this way out of proportion. I think point point to saltwater crocodiles on this one i wonder if he hear me out died right on the boat renee titanic pushed him off and then to make him sound <laughs> no, 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 no. heroic no then that then he did not die on the boat he was like there's only room for one of us <laughs> 
I think you push him off into the water. Where is this coming from? Because I think you pushed him off into the water and said, no, he swam 12 miles, 12 miles back towards the shore to save us. To make him sound heroic. Instead of, oh, he died right here next to me, but I survived. He let me drink his pee. (laughs) He died right there. Okay, we're done. You're done. You're done. I'm seeing what I needed to see. And immediately now, immediately now. That was the straw that broke this whole thing. Anyway, we're we're stopping. No, new theory. Renee ate him. Stop. <laughs> it was only two days. They were fine. One of them was fine. Okay. One of them's I'm hanging. I'm hanging up now. <laughs> Saltwater crocodiles got him. After she pushed him off the boat. No, she was sad about it. You don't know that. Back to Christmas trees. Anyway. Tell us when you guys put your Christmas decorations up. Or put your Christmas tree up. I feel like a lot of people do it like after Thanksgiving, right? That's one of the reasons I think that this fit. Because some people put them up right after Halloween. Oh, oh, Festival of Lights has begun. Oh yeah, I saw cars lining up. Yeah, I'm... I'm already having a not fun time at work. (laughs) Because of the Christmas season. Question is, when do you set up your Christmas stuff? Let us know when you set up your Christmas trees. How early? How late? How long do you leave them up? I asked mom to do a murder mystery Christmas tree one year, and she said no. So if you do a murder mystery Christmas tree, please send me a picture. Send us a picture of your tree theme. Yeah. And if it's spooky, bonus points to you. Mm -hmm. And we'll send you a sticker if you send us a picture of your tree. Yeah. And we'll send you two stickers if you send us a picture of your spooky tree. With Michael Rockefeller next to it. <gasps> we should put a picture of Michael Rockefeller on a Christmas tree. That seems rude. Um, okay. Well, you can see pictures that Winnie will post on Instagram and Twitter. It's at BIAR Podcast. You can look at them on Facebook. It's just Bug and a Rug. If you want to email those pictures of your Christmas tree. <gasps> if you email me pictures of your Christmas tree, I will print them out and put them on my Christmas tree. Absolutely, we will. Yeah, that's the deal right there. Email them to me, BIARpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to see Whitney's resources, you can check it out at bugandarug.podbean.com. Okay, signing off. I'm Kaylin. I'm Whitney. Uh, Bye. Bye.